Pastor Chris's podcast. Yahweh, the great I am, the one true and living God, commanded Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh was stubborn and arrogant. He said, is that so? And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Well, Pharaoh, you are about to find out who is the Lord. Exodus seven, fourteen through 25 Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn, and he still refuses to let the people go. So go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes down to the river. Stand on the bank of the Nile and meet him there. Be sure to take along the staff that turned into a snake. Then announce to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you, Let my people go, so they can worship me in the wilderness. Until now you have refused to listen to him. So this is what the Lord says. I will show you that I am the Lord. Look, I will strike the water of the Nile with this staff in my hand, and the river will turn to blood. The fish in it will die, and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink any water from the Nile. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, Take your staff and raise your hand over the waters of Egypt, all its rivers, canals, ponds, and all the reservoirs. Turn all the water to blood. Everywhere in Egypt, the water will turn to blood, even the water stored in wooden bowls and stone pots. So Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. As Pharaoh and all his officials watched, Aaron raised his staff and struck the water of the Nile. Suddenly, the whole river turned to blood. The fish in the river died, and the water became so foul that the Egyptians couldn't drink it. There was blood everywhere throughout the land of Egypt. But again, the magicians of Egypt used their magic, and they too turned water into blood. So Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had predicted. Pharaoh returned to his palace and put the whole thing out of his mind. Then all the Egyptians dug along the riverbanks to find drinking water, for they couldn't drink the water from the Nile. Seven days passed from the time the Lord struck the Nile. So we're going to be looking at the ten plagues of Egypt, and I hope that we'll, maybe we can memorize. Uh, I will be working on that myself, trying to remember what all of the different ten plagues are and know them in order. I challenge you to do that as well. Um, God tells us why he sent ten plagues to Egypt in Exodus 7, verse 5. He said, when I raise my powerful hand and bring out the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And again and again in Exodus, God repeats that definitive statement, I am the Lord. So he repeats it to Moses, to the Hebrews, to Pharaohs, to Egyptians, because he wants everyone to know. In fact, God says, I am the Lord, no less than 36 times in the book of Exodus. God wants everyone to know 
that He is in command, that He is, the, he is supreme, and that, that everything in heaven and on earth is under His control. And no king, no pharaoh, no army, no empire, no other supposed God has any power above Him. And through the ten plagues of uh, Exodus, the ten plagues of Egypt, God is going to prove once and for all to everyone that He is Yahweh, the great I Am, the one true living God. And so my greatest hope as we go through this series will be that, that we look at these ten plagues of Egypt and as we look at the plague that we are enduring right now, and we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is still Lord of all and that we need to turn to Him for our salvation through Jesus Christ. In order to really appreciate what God was uh, proved by delivering the Hebrews also known as the Israelites, from Egypt, you have to understand a few things about ancient Egypt. So I'll start with that today. <clears throat> First of all, Egypt was a vast and powerful empire in the ancient world. Egypt was unified as an empire around 3100 BC. It's one of the oldest civilizations on the earth. For reference, because I know years can sometimes not you know, really register, Christ lived a long time ago, right? We all agree that, to that. Christ lived about 2,000 years ago. So you can see that on the timeline. Um, and you can see the little blue square says USA. That's the, the amount of time that the United States has been in existence. And then the orange bar shows the existence of the Egyptian empire. Christ lived... 2,000 years ago, Egypt was 3,000 years beyond that. So if you went back 2,000 years, you still hadn't covered the extent of the Egyptian empire's existence. So Egypt was formed uh, five, over 5,000 years ago. I mean, that's just mind-boggling to think about uh, all that they did and, and the great things that they did. Egypt was a powerhouse in the ancient world. Of course, we all know about the pyramids, right? The great pyramids of Egypt. And just as reference, you can see here uh, on this chart some of the different great wonders of the world. Um, the pyramid, the only thing taller than the pyramids on this chart is the, uh, the, the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Um, the, on, the, on the chart, if you look at the pyramid and you go over two structures to the right, you see the silhouette of the, uh, the uh, Statue of Liberty. And if you've ever seen that, you know how impressive that is. And it is dwarfed by the mass of the Great Pyramid, which was built thousands of years ago. And so you can just imagine these ancient people that didn't have computers or calculators, you know, didn't have cars or mechanisms or anything like that. They built that pyramid. Um, and oftentimes using slave labor to do it, as in the Hebrews. Um, Egypt was great. They were powerful. They had wealth. They were prosperous. They had peace. They had a tremendous culture, music and architecture, medicine, literature. They invented hieroglyphics 
a long time before many cultures had any way of writing things down, they were already writing stuff down. They had philosophy, beautiful art. It was a great culture. They also had their own religion. Religion in Egypt had a complex uh, organization to it. There were over 2,000 deities in Egypt, Egyptian religion. There was a god for just about everything. And that explained just about everything. Egyptian gods were, were um, invented from the things that they saw. Animals, natural features in the land around them, the sun, the moon, the stars. Egyptian gods, um, Egypt, Egypt, Egyptians believed that their gods had control of most of the, the natural order of things, and that humans could control the gods or convince the gods to do things a certain way according to the sacrifices they made, the religious ceremonies that they had. If you did the right magic, for instance, God had, that God had to do what you told him to do. If you had the right formula, you could control the gods. And it was important to control the Egyptian gods in their minds because Egyptian gods didn't always care about humans. Now, you have to understand, we've lived in um, a Christian culture for so many years that I, when, we, when we say the word God or we think of God, we almost immediately think of holiness, purity, you know, goodness, love, compassion, um, telling the truth. And that's what we think of when we think of God. But that's not what gods were like in Egypt. The gods of Egypt many times were, were conniving, cheating, lying. They didn't care about people. They just cared about themselves. And they wanted to use people to get what they wanted. And so the idea of God in, in Egypt was not necessarily a good thing unless you had the right magic to control them. Among the thousands of Egyptian gods, some that were supposed to be among the most important were Happy, which was the god of the Nile River, which they considered to be the source of life in Egypt. There was Isis, the goddess of the Nile, who was supposed to be the divine mother of Pharaoh and was the goddess of the Nile. There was Num, who was the guardian of the Nile River. And so... The ten plagues with which Yahweh struck Egypt through Moses attacked the very gods that the Egyptians believed were in control of the world. One by one, God shows that he, and he alone, is Lord. He is in complete control. He can do whatever he wants and no other god, no demon. And as you look at some of these gods, you think, Seems more like a demon than a god to me. But no god, no demon, no army, no empire, no pharaoh can stop God. He can do whatever he wants. And look what God did in this first plague. The Nile was the most important feature in Egypt. It was, in a very real sense, it was the empire's lifeblood. It made agriculture and civilization possible in the middle of what would otherwise be a desert. Um, in order to have that many people living together and to grow enough food to support them and have water, which you can only go for like a, a week without water, 
Without that Nile River, you don't have Egypt. Not to mention the fish that you could get from the river and the transportation of boats from one side of the empire to the other side. Boats were going up and down that thing just like truck tra- tra- uh, tractor trailers are going up and down I-75 here in America. And God attacked the most important asset of the Egyptian empire. He turned the Nile River into blood. It's, it's as if he's saying, okay, you think the Nile River is your lifeblood? Fine. I'm going to turn it into actual blood and see how you like that. You think you can oppress the Hebrew people and make them take their babies and drown them in the river to control their population? That's genocide. You think you can do that? Fine. Their blood is on your hands and in your river. You see a beautiful river, but I look at it and I see a river of blood because you've turned it into one. So now I'm going to literally turn your river into blood. And God does it. And nobody can stop it. And in the process, God exposes the impotence of some of the most important gods in Egypt. Happy was supposed to be the god of the Nile. Isis was supposed to be the goddess of the Nile. Num was supposed to be the guardian of the Nile that kept it safe. Where were they when God struck the Nile? There are three of them, and they couldn't stop it. Why couldn't they protect it? Because they're nothing. Exodus 7, 14. I will show you that I am the Lord. Now, I'm not an an expert in Egyptian history or religion or any of that stuff. However, there's some interesting things that just really get me excited as I I look at this stuff and research it. There there were a group of people that lived in Egypt. They were foreigners. This is from a, a secular scholastic viewpoint, not a religious Uh, scholars, but scholastic scholars, secular scholars, say that this group, they were called Hiskos, or Hyksos in Egyptian, lived in Egypt, and it was about the time that the Bible tells us that Joseph and his people were in Egypt. These Hyksos were, rose to power in Egypt and helped rule Egypt. Now, A lot of historians say that the Egyptians didn't like that at all. They kind of saw them as foreigners that came in as a foreign influence. And uh, it almost kind of sounds like what the Bible says, right? Joseph was there. He became second in command to Pharaoh. But then over a period of time, they all forgot Joseph. And a new Pharaoh came to power. And they began to make the Hebrews into slaves. Another interesting thing. Egypt had a little bit of an experiment with monotheism about this same time. Um, Whereas Egypt had traditionally had thousands of gods, as I told you, there is a short period of time when one of the pharaohs came to power who kind of favored one god over all the other ones. And then eventually he even started saying, this is the only God, and everybody in Egypt's got to worship this one God. 
That didn't last very long. Eventually, that Pharaoh died. And of course, all the Egyptians were like, let's go back to the good old days. Let's get back to being Egyptians like Egyptians are supposed to be. Let's make Egypt great again. It's kind of what they were saying. And so they kick out all of this, worship this only this one God stuff, and let's worship all of the gods again. And it makes you wonder, could what the Bible says, could Joseph's influence in Egypt have sort of led to a revival in Egypt where they began to reject idols and false gods and were turning towards the one true God for a time? But then ultimately, the Egyptian people rejected that that idea and decided, no, we're going to reject that God. We're going to reject Joseph's people. And we're going to go back into what we know. All of these other gods. You know what they say. It's hard to change people's religion and traditions, right? Don't mess with people's religion and traditions. They'll get upset in a heartbeat. And it seems like that's what the Egyptians did. And they made the Hebrews slaves. And so now God is leading his people out of Egypt. He's going to give them their own land where they will serve as his representatives to the world. Now, I'm a nerd and I get excited about this stuff and I love reading about it and studying about it. But I know not everybody is. Most of you are probably like, "Okay, well, what in the world does it have to do with me today? Well, I'm glad you asked. There are so many parallels to our world today. Obviously, we are in the midst of a global plague right now. And I don't know if, you know, I don't know if God sent COVID-19 on us uh, the way he sent 10 plagues on Egypt. I sure hope not, because what if it gets worse? What if this is only number one? You know, everybody's saying, I can't wait until 2020 is over. I saw Amy posted this week. It's like, I can't wait until 2020 is over. But what if 2021 is worse? You know, gosh, I sure hope not because I'm tired of this. And I hope that if we learn anything from this, it, it, whether God sent it or not, I don't know. But maybe it turns us back to God. And then there are more parallels between the ten plagues of Egypt and your life in America today. Egypt was the superpower of the ancient world. Who is the superpower of our world today? We are. We're much more similar to Egypt than we are to the Hebrew people. And again and again in the Bible, God is the God who stands up for the oppressed against those who are in power and are misusing their power. Why is that? God is compassionate. And the, the oppressed have no one to, to, to come to their aid except for the compassionate God who created us. And one of the biggest reasons that I think that um, we need to think about this is that when, when people get powerful, when everything, they have everything, they feel like they have everything, suddenly we start to think we don't need God anymore. We start to turn our backs on God. We even start to wonder, is he real? We often will be, go down a road where we become more and more selfish 
Eventually, it can get so bad that we're willing to do the kinds of things that Pharaoh did. Here's a guy who's so powerful, he's at the very top of the pyramid of the most powerful empire in the world, and he thinks he can just tell people to throw their babies into the river? Well, we don't feel like we're that kind of a people. But um, in America, honestly, we're some of the most privileged and prosperous and powerful people in the world. Even just average people in this country. According to Gallup, the median household income around the world, and this surprised me, the median household income around the world is $9,733. That's a household income for an entire year. What's your income? I mean, even if you're not doing so great, you're probably doing way better than that. So there's no denying that we got it pretty good here. There's nobody in this room that could say, I'm not doing pretty darn good compared to most people in the world. And, and we work hard to have that and to protect that and, and to get where we are. We didn't get there overnight. And we owe a lot to our military for protecting our nation. We, we owe a lot to many different people. And lots of hard work. But I pray that we never, ever, ever forget that we're blessed because of God. Lord forbid that we ever begin to think that America's business or America's military or America's education or system of government or philosophy or anything else guarantees our prosperity. For when we do, We are going right down the same road that Egypt did in Exodus. And God might just have to come in and remind us. All of our gods are nothing. God and God alone is the Lord. And whether or not God specifically sent this particular pandemic... I pray that regardless, it wakes us all up to the truth that we are not in control. We never were. A tiny little virus can shut down our entire world. That's just a virus. Do you still think you're in control? How many plagues will it take to convince you that you're not? This is the Lord's word to us today. Repent of your sin and arrogance and idolatry and turn to the Lord through Jesus Christ. Well, what Pharaoh did when God turned the Nile into blood, what Pharaoh did is indicative of the way some people will respond to the Lord When they hear the message today, Exodus 7, 23, 
Pharaoh returned to his palace and put the whole thing out of his mind. See, Pharaoh hardened his heart. He was stubborn. He said to himself, it ain't nothing but a thing. Just a coincidence. It'll pass. It'll be fine. Life will return to normal. I'll still be in control. And unfortunately, that's the way some who hear this message will respond. They'll be stubborn. They'll harden their heart. They'll say, I ain't going to change. It ain't that big of a deal. I'm in control. I'll get through it. I'll be fine. And you will return to your palace and put the whole thing out of your mind. But I pray that that will not be your response. I pray that you will recognize that Jesus is Lord. And I pray that you will repent of your sin and you will turn to him. You will get down on your knees and ask for forgiveness. And you will start to follow Jesus today with your whole heart. For Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, Verse 17, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.